This is the Only Human podcast from Community Radio 4 Z out of Brisbane, Australia. And you're on Only Human on 4 Z and Z Digital. Thanks, Steve. And our next guest is a woman who has devoted most of her life working for peace and nuclear disarmament. Isn't that right, Robin? Most of my very short life. <laughs> very young. <laughs> we're, all, we're all young here. <laughs> Welcome, Robin. Yes. Uh, thanks. Good to be here. So, Robin, um, you, you're working with Friends of the Earth Brisbane at the moment, is that correct? Uh, yes, I do work with Friends of the Earth Brisbane and Friends of the Earth Australia. Um, um, we have no paid campaigners, so just to clarify that work in Friends of the Earth Brisbane and in Queensland is all done by volunteers, though, of course, our national organization has a few paid campaigners who uh, may be uh, more visible sometimes in the media and helping with our logistics and support. But we so are a volunteer-run, non-hierarchical, non-hierarchical or anti-hierarchical uh, workers' <laughs> cooperative. The reason I asked you that was because, um, you know, some people might think, well, what's an environment group doing sticking its nose in the peace business? Tell us why. Well, why wouldn't you stick your nose in the peace business? Peace is the precursor to sustainability. I think that um, any environment group or any organization that doesn't recognize that um, peace is a necessary um, aspect of uh, a necessary feature of what will make the world a safer, happier uh, place for humanity and ecology to exist has set the bar too low in what they're aiming to achieve. So I really think that um, in the mo- in the in the environment movement, but and social justice movement and movements generally, we are always working to set the put the fires out, the immediate um, crisis that we're facing, the climate crisis. Um, the sexual number of sexual assaults. We have so we are so bombarded with the immediate face of violence in our culture that it's hard for us to look at the aspirational and to dream about what would what we really need to make the world a better place because we're really always running after what we can achieve just to make it survivable mm. in a in a somewhat um, somewhat not chaotic way for ourselves, mm. but really um, to achieve the climate um, control that we need to, for example, to um, e- to reduce our global emissions enough to have a sustainable planet, I think we really need to look at disarmament. How can we actually work with other planets around the uh, other planets <laughs> seems like it sometimes it seems like uh, there are other planets on this planet but other people other countries around the world even in any goodwill um, negotiations when in fact we're pointing nuclear weapons at each other so to tell our neighbors that they have to reduce their global emissions or their carbon emissions while sticking a nuclear weapon on their border i think is really um a symptom of a system that is setting itself up for failure and relying on violence as a way of achieving uh, its short-term goals without having a long-term vision for all of us. Okay, um, so can you tell us about your recent trip to Washington? 
Sure. I was uh, attending a conference called World Beyond War, and the theme of this year's conference was War and the Environment, and that is obviously a huge, huge um, topic. So if you're thinking about war and the environment or war, um, the, the environment and militarism, um, how militarism is part of our lives, because we are part of nature, of course, ourselves. We are now nature, <laughs> fighting for our survival here on the planet, and we are the only... I believe, the only aspect of nature that actually destroys its own habitat at the same time. So the spectrum of how um, war impacts on the environment or on how militarism impacts on the environment is obviously huge from chemical use. Even we're seeing a, there's a class action right now here in Queensland of Oki, um, a military base that's contaminated with uh, PFAS or PFOS, so it's uh, chemicals used in oh, um, fire, fire, fire extinguishing yeah. um, chemicals are now found or have been known for a little while, a while to actually have uh, to be persistent um, toxins and they're contaminating the waterways and we have two class actions taking place around in Australia and 18 military bases now under investigation the communities around those in military bases under investigation plus a whole spectrum of civilian sites where those chemicals were also used and that's just one chemical that was used in a military um, in military activity so so we see just on the local ground um, that communities that are facing militarism are dealing with uh, such things as chemicals or toxins in their environment, um, sexual in violence, uh, increased sexual violence if they're um, located around a military base, for example. Uh, the, viol the culture of um, accepting violence as a way of... Um, dealing with situations. So we see militarism in our school, for example. We can see uh, military recruitment accepted as um, norm in our schools. Mm -hmm. And we can see, um, obviously, air air pollution, noise pollution, potential uh, water pollution, just from living near one military site. And then imagine if you were living in a war zone. Yeah. That these, um, these impacts would be, you know, multiplied. And yeah. so... Uh, it's a huge issue, and it's also an issue that, despite being so huge, or possibly because being so huge, and being um, pinnacled, I suppose, by the existence of nuclear weapons, which could at any time create a nuclear winter or destroy life as we know it, uh, means that many people are actually ignoring this issue or not addressing the issue because mm. it maybe it's too distressing or it's too hard or it is too political because to challenge the military is seen as unpatriotic mm. and possibly unachievable. So what do you think the significance was of the of last week the international campaign against to abolish nuclear weapons of winning the Nobel Peace Prize? Do you think Yay for us. Up? <laughs> I think it's amazing, and it's about time. And sadly, um, the United States and its key allies, such as Australia, have consistently and persistently, like a toxin, been um, hijacking any attempt to demilitarize and denuclearize the planet. So um, there has been a long... They're actually the first... Uh, motion passed by the United Nations was to 
to control the use of nuclear energy. And so the first motion passed by the United Nations in its form, in its existing form, was to uh, no longer, after one use of nuclear yeah. weapons in war, to not accept the use of nuclear weapons in war. That's in 1945 or 1946. We still haven't been able to achieve a significant um, steps towards disarmament until this year when a new treaty has been passed, much instigated by uh, the ICANN group, mm-hmm. um, so much to the credit of really grassroots work that started in Australia, with the majority of the world standing up and saying, we don't accept the existence of nuclear weapons. We don't accept that even the United Nations is a forum for actual cooperation when a few are holding these weapons over the rest of the world. Mm. And uh, we want to make these weapons illegal, as other weapons have been made illegal. And United Nations, uh, the United States um, and its allies boycotted those talks. Oh. So. It is shameful, the position Australia is in right now. We see little snippets maybe about how Malcolm Turnbull didn't congratulate the Nobel Prize winners. And mm. that that's just a symptom, symptom of his disregard for the will of the people, and not just the people, but the planet that mm. does not want to keep on heading down the track of nuclear annihilation. Like I can speak for the planet. I mean, it's it's biologically incomprehensible to destroy your own habitat, and that's what nuclear weapons could do. So yay for ICANN, yay for all of us, and now it's our turn to really step up the, pow- um, the pressure mm. on the Australian government to say, the world has spoken, and what do we look like if we are going to stand in the way of this sensible treaty. Mm-hmm. So um, as a key ally and also as a uranium exporter, Australia has a large role to play in actually potentially steering the world towards a peaceful path. And I have to say that um, Queenslanders are well aware that um, we've had uh, many years of combating the uranium industry in this state and proudly standing against the uranium industry in this state. Uranium, uh, as far as the nuclear weapons and nuclear power industry go, are those industries are inseparable. Mm. Um, every uranium mine is a nuclear waste zone and every is and every um, uranium mine is potentially fueling a nuclear weapons cycle. And Australia has a key role to play by stopping that cycle where it starts by no longer mining and exporting uranium and addressing the huge social and environmental impact of the uranium industry in this country. What can people who are listening today do? Because it makes you feel pretty powerless when you think of how big the nuclear industry is, how big the war industry is around the world. What can we do? I'm glad you asked that. (laughs) I know it sounds a little depressing, but actually there's heaps that we can do. So on a local level, uh, we don't all need to be working on the same thing to have a dent in the uh, military-industrial complex. So I think if you're a teacher, for example, um, you have the capacity to uh, work with your community and work with uh, your union to discuss, if first needs to just be discussion, the presence of military recruitment, for example, in school. So um, if you are living near a military zone and you have concerns about the um, 
the economy being based on militarism in your community, you have the power to talk with your local politicians and organize in your own community. So don't think every step has to be based on the broad scale transformation of our society towards a peaceful world, because each one of those steps will help. At the moment, Australia, a Queensland hosts every two years some of the world's largest military operations, the Talisman Sabre War Games. That's something that Friends of the Earth and other groups have worked um, consistently on opposing. Uh, we also, Australia hosts Pine Gap, um, one of the United States' key satellite spy bases. And so Australia is working as a de facto U.S. training zone and base. So on a broader political scale for Australians, I think it's important to challenge the U.S. military alliance and to do that politically as well as in a grassroots um, hindering um, fashion. We do have some colleagues, actually, must give a plug, the uh, Pine Gap 6. So we have some friends facing trial next month for a trespass, alleged trespass. And one, <laughs> one of them is actually a 4 Z announcer. Ah. That's right. That's right. So hats off to Andy and the crew. And please support the Pine Gap 6. You can um, duck, duck, go that if you'd like to use a uh, non-Google source of Internet searching. Support the Pine Gap 6 who are facing, um, I think, up to seven years for a simple trespass on that um, defense um, area in um, the central Australia. And... And we really need to challenge the presence of those uh, facilities, the presence of 2,500 troops in Darwin, and Australia's role in this um, global U.S.-led surveillance system, which we know is helping um, carry on illegal wars and illegal actions against the planet and against humanity. Mm, I read in the news yesterday that, um, I don't know if it was Hansard, whatever, had been released, that's and right. um, it's now known that the Australian government's known all along what the Americans are up to in Pine Gap because they're mm. always saying, oh, no, we don't know. They don't tell us. We're not allowed to go in there or, you know, individual politicians go in there. But we've known all along what it was for and it's targeting bombs. Yeah. It wherever is. it is. And, and um, Chelsea Manning and Edward Snowden, mm. these... Um, Whistleblowers uh, support whistleblowers. That's uh, another good reason to maybe be more secure on the internet and how we work ourselves. But support these whistleblowers and acknowledge that um, Australian militarism is inherently, um, at the moment, tied up with U.S. military expansion, not just uh, maintenance and globally. And we do have the power to make a difference in um, the lives of those people over there who bombs and helped, um, targeted by Pine Gap or the Marshall Islands. We still have ballistic uh, missile yeah. tests that land in the Pacific. So we have a whole colony, uh, colony, that's a group of um, islands in the Pacific where people are living who are great, greatly ignored, who have been um, colonized by the French and by the British and by the United States who are still living under the shadows or with current existing military bases on their on their traditional lands. So we have the power to help decolonize and demilitarize and denuclearize this country and the world. And if you want to find out more, you can join us with Friends of the Earth, Brisbane. Um, URL? Uh, Brisbane.fo.org.au or give us a call um, on 0411-118-737. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Robin. Thanks for having me. Thank you.
You are listening to the Only Human podcast. Only Human is a weekly program on social justice, disability rights, psychology, social research and mental wellness. You can listen in Brisbane on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM and set digital on DAB Plus radios. You can support 4ZZZ by subscribing or making a donation at 4ZZZFM.org.au.